Hey guys, it's me, Devin. I'm your host. And I am Devin's mom, Ashley. How are you doing, mom? I'm good. Um, We're still stuck in the house. Hmm. It's still, still stuck in oh, the house. Oh my gosh, I don't want to be in the house anymore. I know. Turn around. All right, so you actually just got off the phone with your uncle. Uncle Ricky. Uncle Ricky. That is my big brother. That is my older brother. We're four years apart. Um, and so you actually had a quite a conversation with him, right? Yeah. Yeah. About like 30 minutes. Yeah, about a 30-minute conversation with him. Uncle Ricky's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's my big brother. So um, let's go ahead and play the... Let's go ahead and play it. What do you think? Yeah. All right. Let's get to it. Hey, Uncle Ricky. Hey, how's it going, Devin? How are you? Uh, pretty good. So I have some questions for you. Okay. For today. Sure. So, um, how are you? That's for starters. How are you? I'm good. You know, we're going through this uh, this little crisis, but you know, maintain it. We've been through a lot, so you know, this is just another, uh, you know, another part of uh, part of life. Just having to adjust taking care of our families and everything else we got to do. Well, so, um, I really don't, I honestly don't really know you. So how did, how did you grow up? So, um, so I grew up in Camden, New Jersey and, uh, you know, I grew up, I, I was born in, in 81. So, um, you know, I grew up in like, the most like economic, depressed, like uh, most violent time in the city. Um, you know, Camden's definitely gotten a lot better. Things are changing there. I'm happy to hear that. And, That's good. You know, it's uh, you know, it's. I grew up there was. The way I grew up there was uh, you know, it was uh, it was just poor, you know had nothing, made the best of everything he had, and, uh, you know, just just, just moving from place to place um, throughout Canada, throughout the country. Um, so, well, um, basically, I grew up uh, in Camden back in the early, well, I was born in 81, so I grew up in the time when the crack epidemic had hit Camden. So I've seen, you know, I've I, I, I see, I seen, you know, the most deprived and most, uh, you know, worst times of the city, I believe. Um, and so growing up, I did see that, you know, I understood that we were poor early on. And that's how we grew up, uh, knowing that we we had to overcome what it was that we were going through. And the only way to overcome it was to work hard and to um, change the mindset because that's the problem. When you grow up poor, your mindset doesn't change unless you really want to change it. And so early on, we knew, especially me and my sister, uh, who passed away a couple of years ago, we understood that, you know, we had to get out of these economic troubles in order to live better lives. So that's basically the way, like the way we grew up, just extremely poor, poverty, uh, impoverished, bad education. But I was never really good with school anyway. I was always in and out, getting kicked out of schools. So I was always in trouble. I was always, uh, you know, I was always just not one of those people that wanted to follow the rules. I wanted to do things my way. And, um, you know, that's basically the way, you know, we were kind of brought up. My mother was very, like, Catholic. Um, so, you know, she tried to instill some religion in us, which was good. Um, and, 
you know, the, the, I will say the people that you asked me who, you know, who I spent my most time with, right? Was that one of your questions? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I spent the most time with a lot of different people. I didn't spend the, the most time I can say with a specific person. Uh, I was all over the country. I mean, you know, you know, growing up the way I grew up as poor as we were, my mother was trying everything in her power to give us the best life that she could possibly give us. So she figured sending us to different places, sending me to different places would be beneficial for me, which it was to a point. You know, I lived in Puerto Rico for a while. I got to learn Spanish. I got to learn a lot about about my, my own culture. Um, and, you know, I lived in Chicago. Um, I learned, you know, a lot about, you know, living in Chicago. I learned in uh, Philadelphia, of course, is my favorite city in the world. I love Philadelphia. Learned a lot there. And I also got to live in the West Coast for a while. And I spent, so, you know, a lot of time with relatives there who ultimately showed me a different way of life. You know, I got to see the way I wanted to live and the way I wanted my family to live, you know, in Cali. Um, but I was able to take a lot of what I learned out here in the East Coast and, and, and mix it with the West Coast and just be just, you know, a different kind of a person. I feel myself different from a lot of people. That's why I'm kind of, like, distant overall with people. You know, I just – it's hard for me to relate with people um, because I've just been all over the place. I lived all over the place. So that's the way that's I grew cool. up. In, Maybe you can teach me some Spanish sometime. Absolutely. Love to. So what does your family mean to you? Like, everybody that you spent time with in your lifetime, what do they mean to you? Well, I mean, there's only specific ones. Like, of course, my, my number one is my is my wife. You know, my wife is my, my number one of everybody and my daughter. Um, those two are my most important people in my life. Um, I feel I'm, I'm in charge of, I'm responsible for, to make sure they're okay. So... You know, those are, like, the most important people. But, you know, I have immediate family members, too, like my sisters and my brothers and, you know, other relatives that I do, in fact, care about. You know, I may not be around and I may not always show my face, but that doesn't mean I don't care about them. You know, I just, uh, you know, I have a focus. My daughter's extremely handicapped. She has a lot of issues. So my my whole attention is for her care, you know, and, and making sure she's okay. That's why I've done the things I've done you know, getting into the real estate business and trying to, you know, you know, get out of healthcare and just own my own business to make sure that I have as much time with my daughter as possible. Because we were told that she would end up not living a certain amount of time. And, you know, it was my, my motivation to make sure that I was there as much as I can be for her through her life. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Speaking of your daughter, Tuffy's fight, like, how did you come up with that? So, um, what happened was back in, uh, 2007, a little, a little after she was born, she began having seizures. They were infant, they were called infantile spasms. And what happened was they, they slowly, well, quickly, uh, uh, uh turned into, uh, more severe seizures. So she was diagnosed with something called LGS or Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, and it's a severe form of epilepsy. And a lot of these patients tend to not live, you know, long term because of you know a lot of head trauma that they receive from having so many seizures. But Diana was having over 300 a day of seizures, and so um, 
you know, they were giving, giving her medications and, you know, they were trying their best to try to control these seizures, but nothing was working. And uh, they told us, yeah, she, you know, she has a lifespan of nine years. And so when they told us that, I knew that, you know, they had pretty much given up. So we decided to take different routes and start looking into different things. And we found that there were parents leaving from Jersey and they were going to other states which had legal uh, medical marijuana or legal medical cannabis. And we started to do some research and we found that a lot of patients that were taking medical marijuana were actually improving on their seizure frequency. Um, so we put her on it. Um, and what happened was is the laws here in Jersey were a lot different than the laws in Colorado and California and all these other Western states that had more of a liberal uh, mindset and liberal laws for medical marijuana. So um, I went and, I, you know, I had applied for the card for my daughter, and at the time we were still giving it to her and it was helping her. Um, and they gave us a hard time. You know, we had to go to, you know, several doctors for her to be approved. And then we had, a, like, a lot of money that we had to dish out and just to get her into the program. It was pretty much like it was one of those situations where just the wealthy could really take advantage of it. And so I got fed up. I said, you know what, this is the only thing that can help my daughter, and they're trying to deprive my daughter from it uh, by making it as difficult as they can for her to get in the, into the program. So um, I decided to, uh, you know, write letters to the governor and, you know, senators and was trying to get, like, you know, some help from, you know, representatives to try to make this easier for Tatiana to get. Well, you know, they blew me away and they, they made it really difficult uh, throughout the whole entire process. They did nothing to help me. So um, what I decided was I went to uh, a meeting with the governor and I and I, I approached him and I, and I confronted him about the situation. And it made, like, news and shit, you know, whatever. Um, I wasn't really, you know, looking for any, you know, attention about it. I just wanted to get help for Tatiana. But as soon as it, you know, it did bring some media attention, that's when we started to really get the help that we needed. So um, we've always called her Tuffy. And so we decided uh, to make a foundation. And uh, we created a foundation, and we called it Tuffy's Fight. because her, 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 you know, her fight of, uh, of her life daily. Um, so... That's when we came up with Tuffy's Fight, where we were able to help not only my daughter, but then we began helping a lot of other children that needed to get onto the program. And, you know, we helped with legislation, with helping to not allow people to be arrested for it because they needed it for medicinal purposes. Um, and we just got really, uh, you know, really involved with the whole entire medical marijuana movement um, where, you know, my daughter was getting, like, you know, some, uh, you know, some uh, national attention about it and stuff. So... Um, we, even though we've we've slowed down on it, basically because we got everything for her, but we're still helping other parents in other states like Mississippi, where they have really stringent laws, and South Carolina, and a lot of these other southern states. Um, Atlanta, uh, Georgia was another one that uh, they had some really tough laws and stuff, and we were helping you know families out there uh, get them get them cards, get them access, stuff like that. Okay. So, did, did you go to the Army? Yes, I did. I was in the military. I was in the military for four years. How how old were you when you went to the military, and what did you do there? I was 17 years old um, when I joined, and uh, I 
was basically uh, a gun bunny is what they call it, or artillery uh, gunman. And what I did was I should shoot artillery all day. I was second line right behind infantry uh, for war. Um, I ended up not going to Iraq um, right when the Iraq war began. That's when uh, the end of my contract had came up, and I was done with the military. I mean, it, it was good. It was good for me, discipline and everything else. But, you know, I just felt as though I didn't need to be controlled. You know, I've always been one of those people where I don't want to be controlled. I want to do my own thing. I want to, you know, learn things my way. And so it was good for me for discipline because I use a lot of what I learned in the military to this day. You know, discipline, hard work, dedication, a lot of the different, uh, you know, lessons that you learn throughout the military. But uh, four years was good enough for me. And uh, I got out. And I'm happy I did. Let's get that. Yeah. So, if you could have dinner with anyone deceased or alive, who would it be and why? Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good question. You know, I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, there's a bunch of people that you know I, I would probably, if I can name one, one, um, it would it would probably be hmm, it's a difficult one. But I would say I, I would probably say I would probably say Jay Z. That would probably be who I would uh, you know, Tupac. It, it's between him and Tupac. I, 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 you know, Tupac had a lot of influence on me as a kid. Uh, you know, being a revolutionary and you know, um, but a lot of those lessons were stuff that I learned so young. But Jay Z taught me a lot of lessons as I aged. You know, like he, and there were things that. Like, if you listen to what he says, doesn't real good, you'll hear, like, things that he says, like, kind of guide you and kind of, like, from the first album all the way to the most the most recent, they all have lessons in every single one of them. And, you know, as I've gotten older, those lessons have become more relative to my life. So I would say Jay-Z, you know, so... Um, and And the reason why I would have it with him is because... He's just so full of knowledge, and he, you know, he puts he puts his family first, like like me now. But at one point, he put money above everything, and you know, a big part of survival, from what I learned growing up so poor, is money is a very important thing. Okay, so so back to the army question. Whenever you did go. Whenever you got out the army, what did you do for a living? And how did you get into it? So, um, when I got out of the military, all I could do was, like, job-wise, was be a gunsmith. And the problem is with that is that there's no money in that. I mean, you can't even own your own business, and you're still not going to earn much money off of being a gunsmith. So, I decided to get into something called surgical technology, surgical tech. And, uh... The GI Bill paid for it, so I didn't have to pay much for it. And so I decided to do it um, because I've always been into science. That was one class that I will say I was always good at the science. I was just always dug science. I always thought animals were cool, and I always liked to look at, you know, the human body. I always thought, like, it was really cool the way our bodies are built to, like, you know, take so much abuse and last such a long time. So I decided to get into surgical technology and, uh, uh, I did that. I, I went into the school. It took me about two years to complete, um, but it was the best thing I did. You know what I mean? It was able. I, I was able to learn a lot. I got to 
be around a lot of, you know, smart people that taught me other lessons in life, and I got to learn off of them. So, you know, I was with doctors and nurses all day long. So I was learning, you know, that education side of what they received at one point or another. And I was also learning, you know, on-the-job training. Um, and I did a lot of trauma. So, like, trauma is considered, like, you know, the most experience you can get is trauma. So I did ortho trauma. I did general trauma. Um, I've seen a lot. I've seen, I've seen a lot, especially working for Camden. I decided to go work in Camden because, you know, I grew up up the street from that hospital. So, um, you know, I always said I was going to work there. And when the opportunity came that I could do my, my externship there, I decided to go there. And uh, I was pretty much hired on the spot. Like, the staff loved me. Um, you know, I liked it there. I was a good fit. Um, and I learned a lot. It's a really good, it's a really good trade because that's what it was. It was a trade. I didn't go to college for it. And then now I'm on to a different part of, of, it's a, it's a secondary portion of surgical tech. It's called surgical first assist. And what I do is, is I, I don't pass instrumentation no more. I actually first assist the surgeon with, you know, sewing the patient up. Uh, I get to bovy the patient. I get to do some cutting. Um, I get to do a little bit of opening. You know, it's different stuff of the surgery that I couldn't do before. Um, I get to now do, and I've been certified in that for about a year. I've been doing it for a total of 14 on uh, surgical technology. So would you say that you're pretty successful? You, you know what? My, my wife my wife tells me, you know, that I'm a success and that, you know, but I don't feel I am, you know. I, I don't think anybody – that really, really has a drive can always say they're really, truly successful. You know, I don't think. I mean, there's other people that will tell you different, but, I mean, to me, when I accomplish something, I want to accomplish something on the next level. It's always like that with me for everything. Everything, I've always been that way. So I don't think that, um, you know, for most people, yeah, you know, like there's a majority. But, see, the thing is with me, Devin, is I don't compete with nobody, bro. You know what I mean? I compete with myself. So if I accomplish something, I'm like, damn, I could do this better, though. Or I can take that, what they did, and I can make it mine, and I can make it t- ten times better. You know, that's that that's the way I am. So, you know, overall, yeah, I guess you could say I'm successful. I mean, I you know, I have a I have I own my own house. You know, I don't, you know, I, I own all my, you know, I got material stuff. I got you know money and stuff like that in the bank and whatever else. I guess you can call that success because that's some people feel that's successful. But until I reach a certain level for my daughter and her care. I don't think I'll ever be successful, you know? Yeah. So if you could go back into time and speak to yourself at the age of 15, what would you tell yourself? At 15? Yeah, 15. Well, first of all, I would tell my old self to, like, start looking into the box. You know what I mean? Like, the thing is, is with with our economy, you know, things are bad right now, but things always come back up. You know, I remember... You know, back in the late 80s when they had a, a recession, and I remember my mother and, you know, my mother was on welfare and stuff, and things got, re- like, really hard for her when they began to take that away. And we, we were in the middle of a recession, you know. And so I would tell my 15-year-old self to start looking into, you know, you know, not only not only earning my own money, because I was, I was doing that young. I started making my own money at 10 years old. I had my first job at 10. Um, and, you know, if I would have, you know, I was buying my own school clothes at 10 years old. So 
So at 15 years old, I, sh- I should have had enough capital. Um, I own my own business, actually, at 15 years old. Now, thinking about it, I owned a lawn, uh, a lawn mowing business, um, and it was pretty successful. I had a lot of contracts. The only problem was is I didn't have a truck. I wasn't legal to drive yet, so I couldn't, you know, drive all over the place. So I was actually riding around with a uh, with a bike with a lawnmower behind me and a, and a weed whack on my shoulders and just going job to job. And I had contracts with real estate companies at that time. So I would tell myself to invest. Invest, invest at 15 years old. Whatever, whoever you can connect with that's an investor and is willing to teach you, start investing. Hard work now from 15 until 25, by 30, you'll be a millionaire. You know what I mean? And maybe even sooner if you make the right investments. So at 15, that would be my advice. Start looking into investments. Get your credit right. That's a big one. Because if you have credit, you never have to use any of your own money to make money. You know, and that's great. That's a blessing. When you don't have to use your own money, meaning that you don't have to go to work every day, 8, 10, 12 hours a day to earn money, that, that's beautiful. You know what I mean? You can use your own – you can use someone else's money to build your own wealth. That's what I would tell myself at 15 years old. That would be the advice I would give. So now and when you were a teen, who was your big, biggest inspiration? Oh, wow. well, I said that. That, that was uh, that was Tupac. That was Tupac. Tupac. Was, what about when you were a kid? That was still Tupac. Yeah, when I was yeah when I was a kid, you got to remember at uh, at fourteen, fifteen years old, that's when Tupac came out, and like right away when I the first song I heard of his on Tupacalypse, I was like, wow, like like he intrigued me, and I wasn't really into rap at that time, but when I heard him, you know, break down what's going on. And it was happening to his people, you know, with the Black Panthers and stuff. I couldn't relate to that because I was growing up, you know, in a in a in a in an impoverished, like very bad. I mean, beyond what you could imagine, kind of like time. You know, things were bad. I mean, I remember seeing people do drugs right in front of me. I remember seeing people get shot right in front of me. I remember, you know, it was a really bad time. And when I heard him talk like that and then see the success he had, I knew that there was going to be an exit for me. I knew that there was a way for me to get out, and it was Tupac. He really, really inspired me a lot. And I and I encourage you and your listeners, you know, I know it's old music to you guys, but, you know, if you if you really listen to a lot of these guys' lyrics of back then, I know it's not jumping around and dancing music, and I know that that's what, you know, the young kids want to do is have a good time, but it's also good to listen to somebody that has some knowledge to guide you in the right way. Because right now, it's kids raising kids, and those kids aren't guiding each other the right way. You know, it's like when you're around a kid that's older than you, some of them want to bully you. Those same bullies are now leading other kids, and, you know, it's just not a good It's not a good person you want to follow behind. But if you listen to the, a lot of these guys, like, you know, Nas is another one, um, Jay-Z, you know, if you listen to what these guys say, and you really – listen to they're talking about getting out of like a struggle and 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 leading you into the right path so i would say you know tupac was definitely one of those guys that kind of kept my head straight was like look there's going to be an exit out of this just stay strong just stay focused okay so let's get into more of the fun questions if you could have three superpowers what would it be three superpowers uh i would say fly I could just fly away, uh, uh, you know, 
like storms, you know, controlling like the weather. That would be awesome. You know, I make yeah. it rain whenever I want. You know, bring the sunshine back out when I want. That would be nice. And I would say reading minds so I could know, you know, what exactly somebody's thinking. Sometimes you can tell by someone's facial expression what they're thinking, um, but most of the time you can't. So I would love to have that that superpower. Okay. So what is your favorite color? Favorite color? Purple. Purple? Purple used to be my favorite color. Yeah, I love purple. It goes with almost everything. And our last question for today, what advice would you give to teens that are trying to overcome obstacles and want to be successful in life? I mean, like I said before, you know, you want to align yourself with people that are where you want to be in five years. You know what I mean? Like, you want to be around people like that. You don't want to be around people that are stuck in the same rut, you know, time after time after time. Because you know what's going to happen when you're around these people constantly? You're going to end up in that same boat. You know, you want to you wanna surround yourself with people that you never felt you would surround yourself with because you would feel weird or uncomfortable. But you want to be around people like that. I, I've, I've expanded my mind to the point where I've learned things from all types of people. Very wealthy people, very poor people, uh, straight, gay, bi, uh, black, brown, white. I've learned something from from a lot of different kinds of people, and I and I I've been able to categorize right away by just having a conversation with somebody for just a minute, and I can figure out where their mind is. You know what I mean? Not reading their mind, but where they 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 stand in life. I can tell, and. Once I get that bad vibe, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I move on. I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta be around people, like I said, and 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 you want to be, and even someone that's gonna be, I'll be thirty nine, you know, in a couple months, and still to this day, you know, I'm learning every day. You wanna, you wanna surround yourself to be successful. You wanna be around people that you wanna learn from, you know, every day, and also reading. You know, you gotta read. It's really important to read. I, you know. I, like, I'm not great in school. I never was, like, a, a person to get A's and B's and all this other stuff. But, you know, I've always been one of those people that loves to read. Like, if you ask my wife since this coronavirus thing has hit, you know, um, I spent probably about 60% of my entire day reading, you know what I mean, educating myself, learning something new, whether it's something in investing or it's just something to repair something or you know, fashion or whatever, I'm always constantly because you want to be able to, when you're around these different kinds of people that you want to be at in five or ten years, you got to be able to eloquently explain yourself on things. you got to be able to, and reading definitely gives you that advantage. You're able to explain things a lot clearer for people. And not only that, these people that you're going to surround yourself with, they can also learn something from you because you're knowledgeable and you read. You know, it's very important. And that's, to me, that's a, a, a little bit of a blueprint on what I would teach, you know, my teenage son. In this, you know, in this, in this situation right now, my teenage nephew, you know, I would tell you, you know, surround yourself with positive people that, you know, they, they want nothing but good. You know, they want to take care of theirs. You know, they want to open up businesses. They're, they're, they're thinking outside the box, a lot of critical thinking, you know, not, not, not around people that are just, there just to get a trophy for showing up. You don't want to be around people like that. You want to be around people that are striving and working hard 
and don't give a shit what anybody thinks about them because I don't. You know, I know I know who I am. I know what I am. You know, and that's 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 what you want. You want to, you know, you, to be successful, quote unquote. Because I still feel, even though my mother says it, my wife says it, my friends say it, like, Yo, Rick, you did really good in life. You want to continue to climb that ladder. There's never, there's never a, there should never be a point in your life where you're just, you're 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 comfortable with where you're at. You don't want that. You want to always want better. You always want to want bigger. You always want to want the best, especially if you have kids. And that's what my advice is for people that want true, true success in life. Oh, thank you for being with us for today. That's it. Um, I don't have any more questions for you. Maybe we can have you again. Yeah, yeah. Let me know. I'm always, uh, I'm always down to help the cause. And I like what you're doing, Devin. You know, you know, continue. You know, push it to your dreams. You know what I mean? Like right now, you're just starting out, and you know, as you as you evolve, you'll get better and better at this. And you know, who knows? You might end up having you know a TV talk show. You know what I mean? I know that sounds crazy, but it's not. It's not impossible. You just gotta work hard, and you gotta want that. You gotta surround yourself, like I said, with people that are already doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. I love you, Devin, and uh, thanks for the interview. And uh, give me a call anytime. Okay. Thank you. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Take care. Bye. All right, Devin. So you just finished speaking with your uncle. Yes. Yes. Uh, Fun. It was fun? Yes. Yeah, it was definitely interesting listening to the two of you interact. Um, You two have a lot in common, you think? Yes. Yeah. I used to get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, Ricky used to get into a lot of trouble too. Um, it was important for me to, that you actually sat down and had a conversation with him. He has a lot going on. We're talking about from, you know, having to deal with his daughter, which is my niece, Tatiana, having to deal with Tuffy's fight and, you know, having to deal with that. He has his businesses. He has a lot going on. So it was really important to me that you actually sat down and had a conversation with him so that you could see the similarities uh, because there was at one point in time that I was worried about you. I was like, this kid is going to get in and, in and out of a lot of trouble. And I tried everything that I could to prevent it. But what we learned from Uncle Ricky is it it doesn't matter. You know, if you have your mind set on one thing and that's what it's set on, you're just going to go until you get that thing, right? Yes. Yeah. So Sorry, what, I just yawned. What are the similarities between you and Uncle Ricky? Well, like I said, we used to get in a lot of trouble. Uh, we have our... We're, like, unique. We like to learn in our own ways. Yeah. I, I would say that is a similarity between the two of you. Um, he and I, we were sitting down talking, and, you know, one of the conversations that came up was about you. And he's like, look, he's like, don't worry too much. He's like, I was just like that when I was his age, and everything's going to be fine. Um, so that's why I wanted you guys to sit down and actually talk so that you can see that you were actually a lot like him. You might not realize it, but you are. And he has a very inspirational story. I mean, you're talking about a kid that grew up on the streets of Camden, literally grew up on the streets of Camden. Camden. Now, he and I actually have different, um, we have different stories and we have different backgrounds. We share the same father, but we have different mothers. So, you know, it. our lifestyles and how we grew up were very, very different. I didn't have to worry about some of the things that he had to worry about. And for me, like when I sit down and I think about his story and what he went through, it means a lot to me because, like I said, you had this kid that literally grew up on the streets of Camden. If you know anything about Camden back in the 80s, back in the early 90s, it was a rough place to be. 
it, it, it was one of those places that you just, you didn't go at night. And if you went at night, people weren't opening their doors. Like it was a very scary place. And, you know, here he is, he survived it and he beat the odds. You know, he, he really beat the odds. He went into the military. He got out of the military. You know, he, he was working. He's one of the best surge techs in the state of New Jersey. And here he is. He's taking his time to want to help other people. So I think that's very admirable about him. Yeah. Yeah. What about what else with that conversation that you had with Uncle Ricky did you learn? About him? I didn't really know him. Yeah. Yeah. He's always on the go. He yeah. always ha- he has like he's a very busy person. He's very hard to get a hold of. Sometimes I like the fact that he gave you somebody when you asked him the question about who would you have dinner with deceased or alive? And he said, Jay-Z, he said, because if you listen, he has a story to tell and he's actually telling you how to succeed in life. That, that really stood out to me the most. Yeah. 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 Uh, what else? I don't know. Honestly, I was just mo- mostly excited about learning about him because I don't really know much about him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully you guys will be able to keep um, keep communication going. I know that if you're ever in a tight spot and you need advice, he's a great person to go to for advice. He's very well-rounded and he's one of those people that you can always learn something from him. Um, and he's, he's, very, he's a very level-headed person. So, all righty. Well, I think that's it for me. What do you think? Yeah, because we got to keep this short because we already have the um, whole interview and everything. Yeah, we definitely want to keep it short. Um, And we'll see. Maybe hopefully some people will give us ideas for next week's episode. I hope so. I hope so. All right, guys. That's it for me. That's it for me, guys. All right. See you guys later. Bye. Bye.